Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture this evening, two main passages of Scripture. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. The first event that I came to at Gospel Baptist Church was, my first day was July 1st. However, Heather and I were down here a little bit early. We were staying at her grandparents' place out on the beach. And we came for vacation Bible camp one night. And wow, were we in for a surprise. It was Pirate VBS. <laughs> and you guys were crazy. Absolutely crazy. Everybody was decked all out in pirate gear. I think Jim Knott had an old earring hole, and he had an actual gold earring hoop in there. That was a shock. And, and there was just a lot of, lot of things that was just amazing. Then the first event that we came to besides that was the 4th of July parade. And I remember Mr. Nick, the first thing I remember Nick telling me is I was getting, we were getting ready to get on the bus and head down to downtown Bonita, and he said, hey man, nice hair. Now <laughs> it's slowly fading away, but I remember that. That was my first time I ever met Nick. And it seems like it was just yesterday when people ask me, they say, oh, you know, how many kids do you have? Three. You have three kids? Has it been that long already? Yeah, just seven years goes by quick. And it's been wonderful. It's been a joy. And it's one of those things where, you know, I look forward. Look forward to serving, serving God here every day. It's not a chore. It's not a pain. Yeah, there's difficult days just like anything, but... You know, I'm looking forward, looking forward to each and every day that God gives me, and thankful to be a part of the church here. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So for just for, just for a few moments, uh, I would like us to focus on the characteristics of people who are greatly used of God. The characteristics of people who are greatly used of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for being able to be under the preaching of your word. Uh, thank you uh, for the, the freedom that we have to do so. Tonight, would you speak to our hearts? Would you show us direction uh, that you'd have us to go? Uh, open our eyes to spiritual things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question here. Who is your favorite character in the Bible? We're going to take out God. We're going to take out Jesus. We're going to take out the Holy Spirit. So outside those three people, who are... Who is your favorite person in the Bible? Your favorite Bible character? Do we have anybody? Your fa Mr. Bob. Jonathan. Jonathan. That's a good choice. Yes, sir. Moses. Moses. Good. Esther. A few more. All the way in the back. Daniel. Daniel. Yes, ma'am. Joseph. 
Joseph, David, Enoch. Well, that's a little bit of a surprise. Good, one more. Job, Job. Those are all wonderful people. The only one that really surprised me was uh, Enoch. That one surprised me a little bit. And my favorite Bible character may actually surprise you. And turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the second passage we're going to look at is Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7. And we'll read a few verses there. The idea behind the message is from that first section of scriptures that we just read. How you see your calling, brethren. How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, wise after the flesh, that's referring to men that are wise after the world, have the world's philosophy, the world's thinking. That God uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise, so that no flesh can glory in his presence. And so the book of Amos, we come here, starting in the verse 14 there of Amos chapter 7. And I'll tell you a little bit why Amos is my favorite Bible character. Then answered Amos and said unto Amaziah. Now, by the way, this Amaziah here is not King Amaziah uh, that we find in 2 Chronicles. But this is Amaziah the priest. And he says, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son. But I was a herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Let me tell you a little bit about why he's my favorite Bible character. Now, growing up, I went to a Christian school, very similar to Gospel Baptist Christian school, same size, really same curriculum. And every year, we would go to a fine arts competition, like our young people just went to about a month ago. And when we would go to this fine, art, fine arts competition, there were always there was always a preacher boy category, just like they have a preacher boy a category at fine arts and gives uh, young men who feel like God has called them to preach, gives them an opportunity to open the Bible and to preach and to get some experience. And they also do it as a competition. And somehow or another, they determine which one was the best. I'm not sure how you do that, but you figure that out. And every year seeing that, those young people and those young men, they were so eloquent. They were so put together Many of them were pastors' kids, or we'll say staff kids who grew up really close and really connected uh, to the ministry, and they had a, a nice head start on preaching and ministering in the things of God, and they were trained, they were skilled, they had presence uh, in the pulpit, and even when I went to Bible college, I went to Crown College, I, of course, was studying youth ministry there. And we had to go through a homiletics course, which is basically how to preach and how to dissect the Bible and, and uh, pull truth out of it. And you had the opportunity to preach. And there were young people there that were second-generation Bible college students, some even third-generation Bible college students, where grandpa had been a preacher, dad had been a preacher. Now you got this young man who's there in Bible college, and they were phenomenal they were phenomenal. They show up the first day of school. They're preaching on the bus. They're teaching Sunday school classes for the church. And they're preaching better on their first day of Bible college than I'm preaching on my last day of Bible college. That's how skilled they were. And they came from this line of preachers. Just like Amos uh, 
just like uh, many of these other people that Amos was referring to, came from prophets and prophet's son, and they were educated in the skill of the ministry. But there was a difference between many of myself and my peers. And when I came across these two verses about Amos, it immediately caught my attention because I see myself in those two verses. Just like Amos was a nobody, I'm a nobody. Now everybody, we understand everybody's a nobody. But what I mean by that is I didn't come from a preacher's family. I came from a a good family, and I'm not here to dishonor my mom and dad. My dad watches every sermon that I preach, so uh, believe me, I'm not, you know, talking bad. They are, my mom and dad are both hard workers. They both have, you know, good jobs. They show up to work every day, do their best. However, you know, they weren't preachers. So uh, a little bit of a different circumstance between me and many of the other friends in the ministry that I have. And so I have this connection here with Amos. And Amos, by vote, probably would have been the least likely person that the nation of Israel would have chosen to say, that's the person we need to help get us out of this mess. He was the least likely person. Nobody would have picked him. Why? He was a herdman. That means he was a shepherd. He was a a picker of sycamore fruit. And he was a, a farmer, basically. And he was pretty much a nobody. And in high school, I was absolutely 100% Uh, just like Amos. Today, it was such a surprise to me because I already had this written down here in my notes that my former pastor's wife was here because I was already planning on sharing a little story about about her and about him. And when he was a pastor at my church, my brother was actually the one who was super on fire for God and wanted to live for God. He was the one that was showing up to the preacher's uh, to the preacher competitions, and he would preach, you know, short little, you know, five to seven minute messages on Sunday night to the church. It was something our church did, and he would do that. And me, no, I'm sitting all the way in the back, one of those rebel kids, cell phone out, talking to my friends, terrible, absolutely horrible rebel. The Crichtons went out to to eat with them. I'm not sure if they're here. Yes, they are. And he said, "We're going to find out everything." that she has to say, and I said, everything is true. I have no defense whatsoever. I was definitely bad, definitely a rebel. And so a year or two before I graduated, uh, he resigned from his position, getting uh, older in years, and moved down here to LaBelle and uh, spent his time trying to encourage different churches around the area, and he did that. And after a few years... I happened to show up to a preacher's fellowship. We were having lunch somewhere. I think it was Mission Barbecue is where it it was. And I show up to Mission's Barbecue. (laughs) And lo and behold, David Smith was there. And I had not seen him. It was probably seven, eight years, something like that. And so the last thing that he remembers about me was just that I was a rebel without a cause and a terrible human being. And when we went into there, we came right about the last minute, so we didn't have really time to talk. And we just said hi really quick, and he was, you know, grinning ear to ear. And I look over 
throughout the time that we're eating and there's different people up there speaking and he, he's sitting there in a chair and he's just staring there looking at me, just watching me, just grinning ear to ear. And so every time I look over, he's just staring at me, <laughs> looking at me, grinning ear to ear. And finally, after the end of the, the meal, we get together and we, we talk and he says, you are the least likely person <laughs> I mean, he said it three or four times. You are the least likely person that I would have expected to be in the position you are. I thought it would have been your brother. And that's not the case. My brother and I switched roles. And I find myself in, the, in these verses here. Just a nobody. That God uh, did a work in, and I'm not saying that I'm a somebody, but the only reason if I am a somebody is because of what Jesus has done for me. And so Amos was a nobody who became a somebody. And God uses ordinary people on a regular basis to do extraordinary things. And with this in mind, let's look at just a few characteristics of people that God uses to accomplish great things. And I believe Amos accomplished great things. Even though he prophesied for years, and uh, even though the nation of Israel never turned around the way should he fulfilled his role that God had for him specifically. And he accomplished great things. As you read through the book of Amos, we're amazed to see his power that he preaches and he prophesies. So the first thing I want to notice about the characteristics of people that God uses, he uses those who are willing. He uses those who are willing. Verse 15 says, And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people, Israel. He's looking for people who are willing to choose God's will over their own will. People who accomplish great things, let me say that again, are people who give up their will for God's will. Amos, he already had a job. Amos already had an occupation. You say, well, that's not a very noble application uh, 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 job. Who cares? He still had something he had going on. We don't know every detail of his life. We have just a very few things that we know about him. The first verse or two of the book of Amos, and then those two verses right there. All I know is Amos was probably just like everybody else, had plans, had things he wanted to do, possibly uh, had a family, who knows. But he had to give up his will for God's will. And people who are going to do great things for God have to do that. Some people... They're not willing to do it. And they say, well, it's not a convenient time right now. Or I'll serve God, but you know what? It's going to be on my terms. Oh, God, I'll give you maybe the weekends, maybe Saturday or Sunday. I'll, I'll take part in a little, little ministry here or there. But God's looking for people who are going to be all in, who are willing to go all in. People who are just half in and half out for God are not going to accomplish hardly anything for God in their life. Oh, you can accomplish a little something. But I don't know about you, but I'm not looking to just accomplish a little something for God. I'm looking to accomplish great things for God. I'm, I'm looking to achieve more than just the average person is trying to achieve. And that's not just because I'm a preacher. That's because I'm a child of God and I'm trying to fulfill his will. And hopefully each day saying, not my will, but thine be done. We look at people throughout the scriptures who had all the ability in the world, but they weren't willing. They were not willing. Think about Cain. He was gifted in the area of farming. However, he wasn't willing to do things God's way. He was half in, half out. We come to people like Saul, 
who was head and shoulders above everybody. Saul was Mr. Executive. The people wanted a king, and God gave him a king that looked like a king, who acted like a king, who walked like a king, big, strong, was a leader, was a man's man. But even though Saul had all the ability in the world, guess what? He flopped, and he was a failure. We come to Samson. Samson, again, probably one of the most gifted people, had the most potential to do great things for God, yet he did very little. We talk about him often in children's Sunday school stories about things that he did for God, but really Samson was just a failure. Did very little. Could have accomplished much more, but he was half in and he was half out. Jesus, while he was ministering here on earth, called many people. He said, follow me, follow me. And what did they say? No, it's not for me. Was it that they couldn't follow him? I don't have a Calvinist bone in my body. And it wasn't that they couldn't follow him. It's that they wouldn't. All those people I mentioned, they just weren't willing. And if you want to be greatly used of God, and if I want to be greatly used of God, we must be willing to do what God has called us to do. Not only must we be willing to give up our will for God's will, but we must be willing to pay the cost. To pay the cost. It cost Amos his reputation. I mean, how people must have laughed at him. A nobody. He didn't go to the schools of the prophets that we read about in the book of 2 Kings. You can read about it chapter 2, and uh, it mentions on a few different occasions uh, the sons of the prophets who were trained in this area. They must have laughed at Amos. I'm sure they did. The priest Amaziah wanted absolutely nothing to do with him. He was calling him out on his sin, for sure. That's one of the reasons. But he was ridiculed, for sure. How about willing to pay the cost about stepping out into the unknown? Abraham was a person who God said go, and Abraham picked up all his junk and just started going. What faith? What faith? He was willing to pay the cost. Amos, I'm sure he wondered where his food and his shelter would come from. He probably wondered where his retirement plan would be. things that we often worry about when we consider, should we do the will of God or not? And the Holy Spirit has come by each and every one of us, and he has told us probably pretty specifically what he would want you to do. But how often do we say no because we're not willing to pay the cost? Secondly, we're looking for people who are willing, but also God is looking for those who are humble. The verses again say, Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdman and gathered sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people. I sense humility in there. He wasn't saying that I was a herdman and I was a gatherer of sycamore fruit, and I raised myself up out of that to become a prophet of God. No, the attention is all about what God had called him to do and that God had given him this position. He says, and the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, go prophesy unto my people. All the attention was given right back to the Lord. I like the the words here. He says, I was, I was. He was a shepherd and a fruit picker, but God called him to something greater. 
And this room is filled with people. Every Christian, by the way, can say, I was. Every believer in this room can say, I was. Even if you just got saved five minutes ago, you can say, I was. This room has believers in it who say, I was a liar. Who can say, I was a cheat. I was a deadbeat husband. I was a deadbeat father. There's people in here who could say, I was a drunk. I was a drug addict. How about this? I was just an ordinary person who really didn't do that much wrong. There's those people as well. But we all have that testimony of I was. And not for a minute should we think that that really had anything to do with us to get us to the place we are, just because we throw on a suit and tie and we walk through the doors and seem like we have our act together. That has, it's not at all because of us. Just like Amos, it's all because of the Lord. Amos took no credit whatsoever for who he became. And the Lord took me. I hope you can look back and see all of what the Lord has done for you and how he's risen you up out of the place you used to be. I hope you don't ever let it go. Hope you don't ever have, enough, have pride to think that you somehow did it yourself. If you want to be greatly used of God, and if I want to be greatly used of God, we must remain humble and understand where we came from and that we were nothing before God entered into our lives. What I like about Amos's humility is not only about what he just said, but all throughout the book of Amos, we see a theme. There's phrases that you cannot ignore. Thus saith the Lord. His ministry was 100% revolved around the Lord. It had nothing to do with him. Like I said, the book has hardly anything to say about Amos himself. It's all about what the Lord had told him to say and to do. In our lives, if we're going to do anything for the Lord, it's got to be all about Jesus. It's got to be all about him. We have to take ourselves out of it. It's so easy. Our pride wants to well up. We want to make everything about ourselves. There's preachers that are filling pulpits all across America today that it's not about Jesus. It's not all about thus saith the Lord. It's about the individual. May we never lose sight of who we are, where we came from, and why we are doing what we're doing. I'm sure Amos felt uncomfortable doing something that he had never done before. And that took humility. Not knowing if he was actually going to be able to accomplish the things that God was telling him to do, but yet he stepped out in faith regardless and in humility. Thirdly, we see not only God's looking for people who are willing, and not only is God looking for people who are humble, but he's looking for people who have faith. Verse 15 again says, The Lord said unto me, Go and prophesy to my people Israel. So many people count themselves out of what God wants to do through them. Let me say this to you. Get over your inabilities. Get over your inabilities. Where we say, I can't possibly do that. Well, we all know that. But God can do it through you. How many times do I read about Moses and I want to just reach in the page and just slap him? I can't speak. 
if he only knew what God was going to be, God was going to do. I'm sure he looks back at that now in eternity and says, man, I wish I would have done different. How often through the pages of scriptures do we see that? People need to, we need to get over our inabilities and allow God to make up the difference. Where God guides, he provides. And most Christians never do anything for God because they cannot get over their own uh, inabilities. He probably thought when God asked him, I mean, I'm just improvising here, he probably thought, God, can't you get one of those preacher boys to do it? (laughs) I mean, they're real trained. They'd be a better fit than me. Nobody's going to take me seriously. And so many people, when God presses on them to do something that they don't feel they can do, they immediately shut God off and they say, no, I can't possibly do that. Moses couldn't speak well. Gideon was from a runt tribe and a runt nation. A little boy just had five loaves and two fish, but look how God used him. Fishermen were chosen to be Jesus's followers, his disciples, fishermen, not politicians, not religious Jewish leaders, the nobodies of society, and God used them to do great and mighty things. Get over your inabilities, and may I get over my inabilities. And the thing is, we must focus on God's power. My God's big. I don't know about your God, but my God is big. The God that I read about in the pages of Scripture has done some miraculous things. I mean, parting the Red Sea, the children of Israel going into uh, cities and fighting armies, random this random non-trained army going and defeating great cities like the city of Jericho. My God can do great things. If he, if he is capable of doing those things, he's capable of overcoming our shortfallings and overcoming our humanity. And that's really where grace steps in. Grace is often referred to as unmerited favor, favor we don't deserve, favor we can't earn. And when, when, with salvation, that is 100% true, absolutely. We can't earn it. There's no way possible. And, but grace made it possible. And when it comes to serving the Lord, grace is we extend every ounce of our ability to do what we can for God, and grace makes up the rest. All God is asking you to do is to be willing to be humble, and to have faith that he's going to overcome all our shortcomings and all of our failures. Grace makes a way. You say, well, I I feel like God wants me to be involved in youth ministry, work with some teenagers, but I'm not cool. You're a perfect candidate. You're a perfect candidate. You say, well, you know, I feel God wants me to get involved in some children's ministries, but, you know, I really don't know how to relate to children. My children have been gone for a long time. I'm just so out of it. You're perfect. You're perfect for the job. Where God guides, he provides. And he will give you the grace to get through it. I've seen youth workers. I've seen uh, uh, individuals who were the least person that you would expect to do anything but God used them to break down walls between young people and to have conversations with those young people that even the coolest person in the room wouldn't be able to, to have. What am I saying? I'm saying if God asks you to do it, he's going to enable you to accomplish what he wants to. And fourthly, 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 he's looking for those who are determined. 
God is looking for those who are determined. Amos chapter 7, again, uh, verse 12 and 13, though, we're backtracking here, two verses. It says, also Amaziah, that's the priest, said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread, and prophesy there. But prophesy not any more at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel and the king's court. There's always going to be people who are going to oppose you. It doesn't matter what you do in life. People are always going to oppose you. I remember coming home from church camp. I, I was saved after I graduated high school. I went to a summer teen camp. That's when I was saved and when I surrendered uh, to preach and felt God calling me to do that. And I came home, and of course, you expect everybody to be thrilled about what God's doing in your life. Wake up call, that's not the case. I can't tell you how many people have said discouraging things. You? Really? Bible college? Are you sure? If you're looking for everybody to be on your side and that's what it takes for you to serve God, you're never going to accomplish anything. There are always going to be people who, who oppose you. I remember I coming back and I came back from uh, Bible college and, or I was getting ready to go. And so, of course, you're, you know, you're going to see the dentist you know, in town and you're going to see your... Um, your eye doctor and different things, getting ready to go because you're not going to be in town. You, I was in another state in Tennessee, and so getting all those things done. And I sat down uh, with the eye doctor, and he asked me, what am I doing? Where am I going? Oh, he graduated high school. Good, good. And I told him I'm going to Bible college, and I'm going to be a preacher. And, you know, I'm sure maybe he was good intentioned. I don't know. But he said, are you sure? He said, are you sure? And he sat there as he was checking my eyes. And he said, you know, you're going to go there. That, that college isn't accredited. You know, you know if, if it doesn't work out, you got to have a, you know, a backup plan, man. I, you know, if I were you, I'd really reconsider and go somewhere. This is my eye doctor that I hardly know at all. I see him once every few years. What is it? That was the devil working through that man to discourage me from what God had called me to do. You say, well, that's not possible. It absolutely is. The devil even used Peter, Peter, to try to discourage Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to suffer many things. And Peter steps up, I won't let him take you. And what did Jesus say? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. There's going to be people in your life that are going to oppose what God has called you to do. But you've got to push through all obstacles to accomplish what he wants you to do. There's going to be church members. When you say, oh, I'm, I'm signing up and I'm going to start working on the bus, they're going to snub their nose at you and say, good luck. You ain't never going to make it. Hey, push through all of that. You know, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when people get discouraged by others and they quit. Who are they doing it for? Don't let people talk you out of what God has talked you into. Acts 5.29, it refers back to some men who were out. They were, they were preaching Jesus and the government and the Jews. They didn't like it. And it says here when they got called in, 
And they said, you guys can't go out and you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore at all. And Acts 5.29 says, we must obey God rather than men. Who are you serving? Are you serving the person sitting next to you? Are you serving the person on the other side of the row? Are you serving, serving uh, your neighbor who has some ill thing to say about what you're doing with your life? No, we are serving God Almighty. And we must obey God rather than man. God's looking for people who are determined. He's looking for people who are determined to, re- to remain faithful, to overcome all obstacles. 2 John 1.8 says, Look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Don't give up and quit just because someone says something to you negative. Don't quit just because things get hard. You say, man, well, work's taken up a little too much time. I don't think I'm going to be able to teach Sunday school anymore. Sunday school is the best thing you have going on in your life. You say, I don't have time really uh, on Saturdays or Sundays anymore to run the bus route. The bus route is the best thing that you have going on in your life right now. Overcome all obstacles. The verse says, look to yourselves that we lose not the things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I was just talking to our high school students last week, actually the last few weeks, and I was talking to them about finishing well, finishing well in the school year. And now more than ever, I'm getting phone calls from parents who are saying, man, I'm just having a real hard time with my, my child at home and I'm not sure what to do. They're just not themselves. I said, it's easy. Summer break is almost here. They're looking forward to being off. And so many young people are so tempted right now, towards the end, they have one more week of school. They're so tempted to take their foot off the gas pedal. Right at the end, some of these young people have worked so hard all year long and have done so well all year long, kept their grades up, their behavior's been up. And I say, young people, don't lose the things which you have wrought, but receive a full reward. What does that mean? Are they gonna, is it gonna, are we gonna go back and take away their grades that they did before? No, absolutely not. But yet they're bad behavior or their poor study habits can affect their grades now. When you get to the end, you were on the A honor roll. Now you dropped all the way down to a, to a C plus. They didn't get the full thing because they didn't stick with it to the end. And God is looking for people who are faithful and who are gonna overcome all obstacles in their way to fulfill what he wants them to do. The Bible does not tell us what happened to Amos. We don't know. There are some non-biblical writings, maybe you would say some historical writings. Um, take them for what you will. Some, uh, one of them claims to say that Amos was killed by Amaziah, the priest, because, I mean, he prophesied about some terrible things that were going to happen to his family here in a little bit. Maybe that's true, maybe not. But all I can say is, I'm sure Amos remained faithful. What does it take to be a person who is greatly used of God? It takes somebody who's willing. It takes somebody who's humble. It takes somebody who's going to have faith that God can do what they can't, and it's going to take somebody who's determined. Now, out of all those things that I mentioned, did you notice I didn't mention anything about ability? I didn't mention anything about ability. You notice I didn't mention anything about, about personality. I didn't mention anything about popularity. I didn't mention anything about looks. I didn't mention anything about skill set. 
These are all things that we can do. And if you're like me, I hope you gravitate towards these verses here and you see the precious truth that I have, that, Am, uh, that Amos was a nobody with seemingly no skill set, but God used him to accomplish great and wonderful things. The first verse I read for you this tonight is, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And that all glory is going to go to God. So can God use Amos? Oh, he did. Can God use other people in scripture? Absolutely. Can God use the most talented person out there? Oh, he sure can. But I'm thankful that God can use even me. And he can use even you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a few moments to look into your word here uh, tonight. And thank you, that the, thank you for the encouragement and how you've included this in the pages of Scripture. And uh, so often I can't always relate to every single individual that comes throughout the pages of Scripture. But I can relate to Amos. I can see myself in Amos and how that God can use even the least likely person to accomplish things for you. We ask that you would show us and direct us, although no real specifics were given tonight about uh, different areas of service, but you speak to heart, show folks what you'd have them to do, may be willing to do it, may we be humble, may we have faith, may we be determined. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.